You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Broncos Audio Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my sidekick, Eric Delala. Eric, uh, we have another exciting episode of Broncos Country Throwback today. Yeah, Phil, we're getting closer to the 2020 NFL draft, and who better to talk to than Broncos Ring of Famer Louie Wright, one of the best cornerbacks in Broncos history, a four-time first-team All-Pro, and Jim Sakamano is going to hear about his draft process and a lot more, Phil. So, Jim, the conversation's all yours. Great. Thank you very much, and uh, I look forward to talking to Louie Wright. We're here today with Louie Wright on a Broncos country throwback. Louie, you're one of the great players in Denver Broncos history, and um, your draft experience uh, is one that I remember very well. Believe it or not, back when you were drafted, it was before my career with the Broncos, and I used to kind of play with the draft with a couple of friends of mine. And uh, going into that draft, I remember everybody thought the Broncos would take a uh, corner. Dave Brown, remember him? I remember Dave Brown played up at Seattle. Yep, and Neil Colsey. Yep, Michigan Pryor. And Neil Colsey, Ohio State, and I think the Raiders. The Raiders, yep, yep. Everybody was talking about those two guys. But my friend said, no, no, no. There's one guy out there. All of his football's in front of him, Louie Wright. And, uh, Louie, going into that draft, had the Broncos talked to you a lot? No, actually, uh, it's a real kind of ironic story, but I had not heard a word from the Broncos. But at that time, the Senior Bowl, the staff – professional staff play uh coach the senior bowl so the Broncos staff was actually my coach the north team at the senior bowl and neil cozy and dave brown were both on the squad on the north and we practiced all week with the bronco coaching staff and everybody was like oh boy i hope broncos don't for some reason we just wanted to party and have fun and they were making us work <laughs> get ready and everybody was kind of like oh boy i don't want to go there so that was the only contact I had with them was I actually played in the Senior Bowl, and they were the coaches. And I had no, absolutely no clue that they were considering me. Uh, when the Broncos did draft you, and at that time they they uh, did a, like a conference call, and then they brought in the players. And I remember when they brought in all the draftees, I specifically remember saying to Yolanda Saltis. Remember Yolanda? I remember Yolanda. Yeah, she was the administrator's assistant for the, the you, boss. Louie, you, you looked so different from anybody else. I remember I said, who is that young man? And she said, that's Louie Wright. And I thought, wow, wow. And it's still true. Your physique, uh, there have been not many corners uh, like you. Uh, Mel Blunt is, is one that I think of, but uh, – Tell me a little bit, you started off at Arizona State, then you transferred to San Jose State. How did that all work? <laughs> I laugh because it, it was just a, a incredible journey that uh, came out of it somehow. But anyway, I, I went to high school in Bakersfield, California. After being born in high, Texas. Well, that's another whole story. My, my parents actually lived in California, but – they were originally from uh, Texas, East Texas, Gilmer and Longview and all that. Uh-huh. 
And so my mother and father went out to California. But when my mother, you know, in the 1950s when I was born, you know, black people couldn't just walk into any hospital and have a baby and say, oh, yeah, here I am. But she, my mother, had had another child, my older brother, in Texas at this hospital. So she wanted to go back there to give birth. So she went back to Texas, had me. I was born in January. By April, we were back in California, and I grew up in California. So actually, I was born in Texas, but I never really lived there. But you were really a Bakersfield guy. Right, and I spent my whole life in Bakersfield. So, yeah, technically I was born in Texas, but I really, uh, you know, kind of should have been born in Bakersfield. So anyway, I went to Bakersfield High School, and – after graduation, I had a scholarship to Arizona State. Uh, went to Arizona State at that time. That was the last year that freshmen could not play varsity. You had to play on the freshman team. It changed the next year, but that was 1970, my graduation year. So the season in 1970, I was playing on the freshman team with uh, Woody Green and uh, Danny White and uh, uh, Benny Malone. I mean, it was a great group of players there. And... Um, but, you know, I kind of was partying and having fun. <laughs> Grades weren't so good. So at the end of the year, uh, came time, everybody meets with Frank Cush, who was the head coach, and, uh, you know, he tells you kind of what to expect for the next year. Well, all the, everybody had gone in, and everybody was saying, oh, yeah, he got me a job over the summer, and I'm going to go to summer school, da 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 So when I came in, I was waiting to hear the same thing, and he just said, okay, you've got to make up some credits. We'll see you back. No job offer, no place to stay. I was like, what? I was like, okay, well, I guess I won't be coming back. So I went back home to Bakersfield and went to junior college. I went to Bakersfield Junior College and uh, played football and ran track, and I got a track scholarship to San Jose State the following year. So I went to San Jose State on a track scholarship. I had given up football because I didn't play when I was at junior college. I, I never played. I had eight plays the whole season, so that tells you where I was at with that. So anyway, went to San Jose State on a track scholarship, and uh, the uh, football coach, they fired the football coach that was there when I got there. The following year, the new staff, one of the um, coaches, defensive back coach, came out to track practice, and I guess somehow he found out I had played football before. And he's like, yeah, 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 I want you to come out. And I'm like, man, my football days are over. I'm at. And he convinced me to come out. And uh, he worked with me, and, uh, you know, that's how I got to San Jose State. Wow. And then John Ralston, you know, I know that players would joke about him not being the best on-field coach that we ever had, but his ability to evaluate talent was incredible. And uh, you were, you know, I mean, you were one of the string of number ones that were all oh, ring of favors. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he was. I liked Coach Ralston. Uh, people, you know, I think his business biggest mistake was. He trusted the people around him, you know, uh-huh. his assistant coaches and decision-making. You know, he, he trusted them, and he just let them go. And some of them were not quite so loyal to him. And I yeah. think that was his down. But for him personally, um, I thought he was a great coach. Oh, and, and he was a, a wonderful guy. And uh, if he couldn't fire you up, nobody could, right, Louis? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had a <laughs> – a lot of, uh, what do you want to say, motivational little uh, yeah. phrases. And, and he oh, just, he used to have things taped to his, um, what do you call it, his medicine cabinet when he shaved and uh, the visor of his car. 
Oh, Goes yeah. Would win the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, he and, he was different. Uh, and, and then you were great. People only know that the Broncos had a great cornerback named Louie Wright. They do not realize what a great tackler you were and uh, that you were, before we had the, the term shutdown corner, you were a shutdown corner, and we'd play games, and your half of the field was ignored by the quarterback passing-wise. Well, you know, I think that's true, but I did not realize. Uh, it. I, I just did what the coaches told me. Joe Collier was the defensive coordinator, and, uh, you know, he kind of um, just came up with these game plans, and I, I did. He finally came up with these defense, and then we used it one time against Kansas City, so we used to call it Kansas City Man, where, you know, I would play man-to-man, and we double everybody, <laughs> and we double everybody else. And I used to hate that defense. Because I, there was no free safety help, there was nothing for anybody for me, and everybody else had gravy. They just took it easy and doubled up on people, and we used that a lot. And uh, looking back on it after I got out, I realized, oh yeah, well Joe had confidence in me, and uh, yeah, uh, but I just played. That's what he told me to do, so that's what I did. And it always seemed so easy for you. Uh, actually, I remember. Uh, do you remember the fight in the locker room that Dan got mad at the press? So he closes the locker room. And lo and behold, the next day, two of our, I won't mention their names, but two of our tight ends get into a big fight oh, over Oh, I remember Dallas. that. Yeah, yeah. And they, and I mean, these two, these two men are like a couple of bull mooses. And all of it, you know, like we're just kind of laughing. All of a sudden, there's nothing to laugh about. They're in a tremendous fight. And what I remember is you a corner pulled them apart. I mean, that's 550 yeah, pounds of manpower, I do and you pulled and them apart. Oh, yeah. I, I, I just uh, – and Dennis came in and gave me some assistance, but I don't know why. I, I just uh, – I did not even think about it until after it was over. And I'm thinking, what the hell am I, heck am I doing? <laughs> like, those guys, <laughs> they outweighed me by almost 100 pounds. I know. I, you, but, you, you may know. not recall, but remember Stevie Wilson? I remember Steve Wilson, yeah. The next day, and he became the fine coach at Howard University. That's but true. Steve Wilson, the next day, drew a, took some chalk and drew a body thing on the floor like the police do. I saw And when the, when the press came in, they said, what, what, the, what is this? What happened here? And I just said, I don't know. Guy's just kidding around. That was the scene of gonna... the crime. <laughs> yeah, the scene of the crime. Louis, oh, do you God. remember the play 1977, Super Bowl year? And you started two Super Bowls for the Broncos. But uh, in 77, we're playing at Kansas City. Oh, it I know looks what like we're going to win. But then at the end, they have a tremendous special teams play. And it, it literally gives me goosebumps to think about. This guy's going to score. And you come flying. And it's one of those things that you're, you're, you're doing five yards for every two yards he's making. You tackle it about, about the three. Remember that goal line stand? I, I do. I remember that it was uh, it was against Kansas City, and we were winning by I don't know. I think five points. So basically, a field goal. Yeah, not a, not a, I mean, a, a touchdown beats us, right? A touchdown beats us, and uh, they're fourth down, uh, probably about you know midfield, just a shade over. And so, are they going to punt and try to pin us down or whatever? Well, they fake punt, 
and I'm way on the left side, left corner, and the guy does kind of boomerooski, and he's up the middle and gone. And I start running <laughs> after him, and I'm thinking, oh, somebody will tackle him. And he's like, no, somebody could, no. Next thing I know, he's wide open going for the touchdown. And somehow, some I don't even know, somehow I caught him, stuck out a hand, tackled him. It was actually at the one-yard line. And um, it was uh, not a touchdown. But everybody, I remember everybody coming off the bench, the defense, thinking it was an extra point. I remember Bob Swinson saying, oh, we're going to block this kick. We're going to block this kick because I think that would have helped us uh, tie the game or something. And Barney Chavis, yeah, 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 come on. I was like, no, no, I'm trying to convince them that it's not an extra point. It's first and goal. And we're in the huddle arguing about, you know, block the kick and first. They're out running the play before we figure out that it's first and goal and kind of four straight downs. It was uh, it was one of those great moments in a in a fantastic year. You had so many of those, Louie. You actually had one of the most exciting games I've ever seen the Broncos play is the only game in football history in which the first touch of the ball and the last touch of the ball were touchdowns. If I tell you Gary Anderson returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown, do you remember what game it was? Huh. Was that San Diego? It was San Diego. And, uh, the most, I mean, the most incredible thing, just just ridiculous in, in overtime. If it was a Hollywood movie, you wouldn't oh, believe it. Oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> remember that? I do remember. Now we now we got it because we now we hit it. We have to tell it. I mean, Dennis Smith, uh, Bob Thomas is going for a field goal to win the game. Dennis Smith blocks it. Yeah. Yay! Mike Harden called timeout. Oops. Yeah, yeah. They get a second chance. Nobody blocks it twice. Dennis, by the way, blocked an uh, extra point earlier in the game. So now he says, I can block it again. This would be his third block kick in the game. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It doesn't happen. I I know. I know. It was just an incredible turn of events because we were in the huddle. and Well, at the first time when he blocked it, I picked up the ball. Actually, I got I picked up that one too, kind of in the middle of the field. And I, I I think I could have scored. And the referee was standing in front of me, waving his hand, blowing his whistle. And I was thinking, what? He was Stop. in the way. <laughs> and he said, no, timeout. You guys, we got in the huddle right after that. And everybody's like, nobody called timeout. Who called timeout? And a little hand goes up in the back for Mike Harden. Uh, I, I did. Yeah, the man told, man told me to call timeout. And we were like, oh shit. Okay, so we're in the huddle, and Dennis says. I can block it again. And I was thinking, no way. And he he was convinced in the way he said it. And I thought, okay, well, if he blocks it, you know, it's probably going to bounce this way, maybe. And this took a one-hopper to you like a like a ground ball to the second baseman. Yeah, yeah. And it, it took him one-hopper, like you say. I, I caught it in stride. And uh, it was, since it was overtime, whenever you score, the game's over. So yeah. uh, I scored the you, game. You probably could have run 500 yards with them not catching you, Louie. Oh, God, it was so incredible. The intensity and the um, just the uh, uh, feel of the stadium was so incredible that I, I'll never forget that. That was pretty. That was pretty fulfilling event for me. Yeah, we had a lot of moments like that. Of course, um, you never played before a non-sellout at home. No, it was always packed. It was, uh, and even I remember 
they still do it, but not with the intensity that they did. You know, my first year was 75, first, you know, season of 75. And in the 70s, 80s, it was a little more intense because they would announce the no-shows, you know, right about the start of the fourth quarter. And obviously they'd get booed. But, I mean, they booed, and it was never more than, you know, maybe 75 no-shows, yeah. 68 no-shows, maybe 100 no-shows, but it was pretty much a full house every week. You know, when uh, when the league changed how that would be said, and they said, we're going to go like the other three sports, and we'll announce one attendance figure, and we'll put it on the official thing, it's the tickets distributed. So I go to Pat, to Mr. B, and I said, Pat, the – they're changing this. You know, all we, ha- all we have to announce now is the uh, tickets distributed. He said, Jim, they've been booing the no-show so long here. If we take that away from the fans, they'll kill me. <laughs> we, he said, you, you put down whatever you have to put down on the official paper, but we're going to announce the no-shows. I said, no problem. And that's why to this day we still do it. We're the only team that does. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Only team in any sport that announces the no-shows. Oh, which, of course, some of the press then are too, no offense, too ignorant to realize they think that, that we're announcing the attendance. We're not. We're just doing the fans a favor. The attendance, if, if zero showed up, the attendance would still be 75-something, you know. You're right, yeah, yeah. But we still but, get a chance to boo the no-shows, though. That's, that's exciting. Still get a chance. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Now, Louie, you, um, after football, you went on to a wonderful career coaching high school football and teaching in the Denver area. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I uh, I, I didn't plan to, but it, you know, excuse me. My whole life seems like it's just been kind of these little paths that I just kind of that just pull me in that direction. I don't plan like going to San Jose State. I didn't plan to uh, play football. I was going to run track, and I didn't plan to go to. Um, uh, Bakersfield Junior College, you know, it's kind of, you know, I don't know, and this and that happens. But after I got through playing, I was at San Jose State, but I did not get my degree. So as soon as I retired in 87, that's September of 87, I went back to DU. I actually got my bachelor's degree in business uh, administration, business management at DU. So I went back as a full-time student at DU for two years, got my bachelor's, and you know, kind of worked in accounting because I had a minor in accounting, and uh, kind of started a little geological company. Me and another guy. And then I start working at uh, this company that did contracts for Holiday Inn. But I just was like, I don't know, I'm not going to do this. So uh, I had a friend that was coaching at East High School, Larry Tarver, and uh, I used to go. A lot oh of yeah. Oh yeah, Larry Tarver, and he uh-huh. asked me. You know, he. he always see me at the games. He said, you know what, I'm going to have a coaching spot. Do you, are you think you might be interested? I should. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll give it a shot. So I coached over at East High School for two years, and that's when I realized that in order to coach the way the schedules are, you know, because practice starts at three, how many jobs are going to let you go at two-something every day? And some days on, uh, they have school out. and Anyway, it just wasn't going to work. So in order to coach, I pretty much was going to have to be in the school system. So I went on this program, I got my teacher's license, 
got licensed as a teacher, and then I started teaching uh, middle school over at, because by that time I was the head coach at Montbello, because I coached there for two years, and then I became the head coach at Montbello. And I was the head football coach at Montbello, and I started uh, teaching at the middle school right there, and that's how I got into teaching. Uh, you know, I got a cousin, a very close friend, like a brother. Uh, he was one of your assistants, Steve Riefel. Oh, Steve Riefel, yeah. Me and Riefel coached together for, well, the whole time I was on at Montbello, about eight years. You can believe it. He's still coaching. I know. He's like I know. Forty-five years into it, he's a coordinator at Skyview, I think. Skyview, yep, Skyview, and he also coaches track. I see him in a lot of track meets around town. Yes, he, uh, yes, he does. Yeah. Now, tell me this: you are very fluent because I know how modest you are. You wouldn't say Jack. You're very fluent in Spanish. How did this come to be? <laughs> well, I'm not going mean, to say fluent. If I don't ask I, you, you'll never say. Come on, now. How did this happen? Well, it, it kind of. Well, in my neighborhood, when I grew up, I, I grew up around a lot of Spanish-speaking people. And, um, you know, I didn't really learn it then, but I, I kind of tweaked my interest and I knew a few words and it just kept growing. And then I went to college, I took a few classes. And then from there, I, it, I just, I, I don't know, I kind of picked it up. So... I used to uh, do a little Spanish broadcast. Not, I didn't broadcast it. Uh, K KBNO used to. Oh broadcast. sure, yeah. Yeah, and um, they were our first broadcast partner in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, Gil, God, I can't remember Gil's last name. Oh boy, yeah. Uh, yeah, but Gil was. And uh, Z Ferrafino owned the same. Yeah, thing. Z Ferrafino, yeah, yeah, and you know, so I, I kind of got introduced, and then that was kind of an immersion where I kind of had to learn faster. So it was just kind of, it wasn't a specific thing. It was just kind of a lifetime, uh, piece by piece, picking up, picking up, picking up. And then the more you learn, the easier it becomes because mm -hmm. do it more. So uh, I, I I don't know. It just seems like <laughs> things happen. I don't even know they happen. Next thing I know, I'm I'm somewhere doing something. But Louie, how close are you to your playing weight now? And are you at it, or I assume you're under it. Uh, at, I mean, you well, maybe fantastic. a shade under. Yeah, maybe a shade uh -huh. under. Because uh, I, uh, well, I started out. I played right about 195, maybe 200, uh -huh. 195, 198, and uh, you know, because we used to have to do our weigh-ins <laughs> every week and be like, uh, you know, not that it was that big a deal for a lot of people. It was because you get fined, but. So yeah, I, sure. you know, my weight stayed pretty consistent, and then um, so I remember as soon as I got through playing, like I my the most I ever weighed in my life was two eighteen. That's twenty pounds over. Because as soon as I got done playing, I just didn't do anything, and mm -hmm. I looked around, got on the scale one day, and I was like, "Oh no, that ain't gonna happen." I, I, so <laughs> I, I got back down to playing weight, and uh, you know I've kind of been there ever since. I'm a little under now, but I'd rather be under than over. Yeah. You know, the funniest weigh-in story I ever heard involved Otis Sistruck. Remember him? I remember Otis Sistruck, the man from Mars. The man from Mars. So uh, he weighs in at the Raiders one day, and he's wearing one of these gigantic leather jackets. You know, weighs a, a ton because it's all the way down almost to the floor. Right. And he's way overweight. So they say, Otis, Otis, take your jacket off. And he says, oh, right, right, right. So he takes it, he gets off the scale, takes his jacket off, drapes it over his arm, and stands back on the scale. <laughs> 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 
I, I've never heard that one before, but it oh, doesn't surprise me. My, my goodness. Me. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I've, yeah, I'll take it off. Oh, yeah, I've had crazy. a lot of close friends there over the years, and, oh, my goodness. I mean, talk about, you know, this, this, the characters. But I'll tell you, Louie, that was a tremendous game when we played two times in, in 77 you had a key role. We beat the Raiders out there. Nobody thought we were going to do that. I remember. And um, uh, remember Red Miller's uh, post game, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Oakland Raiders are in second place. Oh yeah, I do remember that now. Oh, Rand was good at that. He was good at that. <laughs> he was. But then we beat them on New Year's Day. Uh, cold as I mean, cold. I was going as, to, I, that was my next word out of oh my, my mouth. Oh my gosh! Freezing cold. Yeah, that was uh, – but, it, it, but uh, a great game, and we win it, go to the Super Bowl. I know, I know. And I think, uh, ah, boy, we just had some uh, misfortune in the Super Bowl. Not that we would have won, but it would have been a better game. But Yeah, was, yeah, we, that um, – Craig shouldn't have played. He was hurt too bad. He he, he shouldn't have played. And Craig yeah, Morton at quarterback. Yeah. He, he, he was and then when, uh, when Schultz – when he just didn't recover that fumble at the one yard oh, line. Oh yeah, yeah, it was uh, just a few twenty-seven to ten, and we were like, "Oh yeah, we got blown out." And I remember yeah. people kept talking. Well, the next Super Bowl was against the Giants, yeah, and they beat us thirty-nine twenty. And people were like, "Oh, that's it was even worse." And then the next year against the Redskins, since they went back to the Super Bowl the next year, I wasn't there. It was fifty-five to ten, I think it was. So the losses, something like that. No, no, that was the uh, no, no, that 49ers. was the, that was the forty-niners. Yeah, forty-nine. But anyway, the losses kept getting worse and worse, <laughs> and people yeah. were like, you know what? That seventy-seven to score don't sound so bad now, even though no, was, but yeah. uh, but then you know, life is not made of one day and one moment. And the Broncos overall, you know, eight Super Bowls, three victories, pretty darn good, and. Uh, one of the great players for two of them, uh, you know, and we didn't win, yeah. but you were there and you were great and in the ring of fame. And, and if anything, I would honestly say you were better, you were far better than what anybody thinks. Well, thank you, Sock. I appreciate that. But you, you know, know what? It's true. I, I, I just think that I was having so much fun. And the people I was playing with, like Tom Jackson and Randy Gratishar, Steve Foley, Reuben Carter, Bob Sw- I mean, like, it was just so much fun that all the other stuff, I didn't realize any of it. Not, I'm not going to say any of it. A lot of it I did not even digest yeah. until after I was done playing. And then yeah. looking back, I was like, damn, how much more fun could a guy ask for? Like, a- Yes. You know, you always had a smile on your face. And I won't say, you were like laughing. Every time I approached you in the locker room, you never didn't have a smile on your face, and you were like halfway chuckling. Well, you, I don't know. I, you I had great was... leadership, uh, really, and it showed every which way, Louie. Well, thank you, Jim. I, 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 I don't know what to say other than... Uh, nah, I, it's just the I, truth. I, you don't have to say anything. Well, it was so much fun. I mean, I, I, As long as you don't try to deny it, Louie. Oh, okay. All right. Well, it's not for me to say. I, I can't. People say, "Oh, yeah. Well, I'm this." No, yeah. You know what? That's not for you to say. Other people, they they know. They, you don't have to tell anybody anything. Yeah. But yeah. 
one of the things is that uh, in 87, <clears throat> excuse me, we played the Super Bowl against the uh, New York Giants January of uh, 87. Well, uh-huh. the next year was that little strike year looking thing, and uh, the free agency became one of the negotiating tools that uh, was awarded to the players 87. It didn't really affect much 87, but starting in 88, people started using free agency as a way to get more money, and these teams started moving players around. and play. So things kind of changed in 88, 89. Salaries skyrocketed, but players, that was the end of players playing together for six, seven, eight, nine. Right, right. You know, and that's what happened in Denver. Uh, I mean, I played with the same guys for basically eight years, the exact same uh, guys, and that just doesn't happen. By the way, eight, eight, guys on, eight guys on that defense went to the Pro Bowl one time or another, Louis. No. In your Denver defense, 80, 80 of you guys went to the Pro Bowl at one time or another. Oh, I didn't know that, but I know it was a great group. I, I was just – I was in paradise. I just loved it. it, it, it if you're going to play somewhere, I, that would have been – Well, place. yeah. yeah and, and we are honored um, that you stayed in Denver. That is just so cool. It's wonderful. And um, I guess we'll wrap this up, Louie, and hopefully talk to you again down the road. But you are truly an all-time great on and off the field, and the Broncos wouldn't be the Broncos without you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I don't know what to say, but thank you very much. I certainly appreciate it. And, um, you know, it's just an honor. It's a pleasure to play with the Broncos. Well, we will talk to you down the road. How's that, number 20? All right, Jim Sakamano. Thank you for, for having me on. And like you say, we'll chat down the road. That was Jim Sakamano's conversation with Louis Wright, a first-round pick in the 1975 NFL Draft. Phil, another great conversation there. Yeah, always great to hear some, from some Broncos alumni. Great stories that a lot of uh, people don't know about. So make sure you look for this podcast anywhere you find your favorite podcast. That's on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'll be back next week with another episode of Broncos Country Throwback.